American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're heading to the Pacific Northwest and beyond to talk about the Apostle of Alaska, Archbishop Charles John Sagers. A man of delicate health for much of his life, he was one of the great missionaries of his day. Charles John Sagers was born in Ghent, Belgium on December 26, 1839. Orphaned at an early age, he was raised by relatives. He entered seminary and eventually went to the seminary at Louvain in Belgium. The seminary had been founded to prepare priests for the missions. On May 31, 1863, he was ordained to the priesthood. About the time he was ordained, Bishop Modeste Demers, the first bishop of the missionary diocese of Vancouver Island, Canada, wrote to the Louvain asking for priests. Sagers, though he had always had delicate health, enthusiastically took up the call. He arrived in Victoria, the main city of Vancouver Island and the sea city of the diocese, in November 1863. He wasn't even 24 years old yet. He was made assistant at the cathedral, chaplain of the convent and school, and administrator of the diocese, a role he had to fill frequently as Bishop Demers was away on mission trips or trips to the Vatican with some frequency. But Sager still found time to do missionary work. Yes, he began his life of missionary work quickly, making quick visits to the tribes along the west coast of the island and the white settlements on the east coast. In 1867, Sagers became deathly ill and lingered for months. He recovered enough to resume his duties, but his health wasn't perfect. So in 1869, Bishop Demers, hoping some time in Europe could help his health, invited him to come to Europe with him for the First Vatican Council. Sagers loved it. He visited friends and family in Belgium, took part in the First Vatican Council as a theologian. Bishop Demers and Father Sagers, with renewed health, returned to Vancouver Island, but it wasn't to last. Later in 1870, Bishop Demers became very ill and Sagers had to take over administration of the diocese. His health once again deteriorated, and in 1871, Bishop Demers died. In one of his last acts, Bishop Demers had written to Pope Pius IX asking an apostolic blessing upon Father Sagers for his health. Shortly after the Pope's blessing arrived, Father Sagers' health improved dramatically. It's a good thing, too, because less than two years later, another dispatch arrived from Rome, naming Father Sagers as the second bishop of Vancouver Island, and in June 1873, he was consecrated bishop. So now as bishop, he could rest and attend to his health and have others do the work. <laughs> You'd think. But on the contrary, now he could do what he truly wanted to do, missionary work. He had done some missionary work with native tribes on Vancouver Island already, and he would do more in his time, but there was also a much, much more vast territory within his diocese that had not been evangelized, Alaska. Which is really interesting because Vancouver Island, I believe, is in Canada. Yes. This was a bit of a geographic and political oddity. Vancouver Island was and is part of Canada. Alaska had become a possession of the United States in 1867. But when Alaska became American... The church put it in the Diocese of Vancouver Island rather than attaching it to any American diocese like the Archdiocese of Oregon City. That decision worked out very well for the people of Alaska. And how. 
Bishop Sagers poured himself into missionary work. As a priest, he had visited the white villages along the east coast of the island, and he had been the only white man to set foot in the native villages along the west coast. He had a wonderful facility with languages and had already learned to communicate in their own tongue. He wanted to make sure that when he was communicating the truths of the faith, what he was saying wasn't lost in translation. So now as a bishop, everything he had learned and done came to full flower, and rather than struggle with health issues as he had done before, he seemed to gain health from the hard life of a missionary. But there was as yet no permanent Catholic presence in Alaska. Bishop Sagers intended to change that. So within a month of being made Bishop of Vancouver Island, Bishop Sagers set off in July 1873 on his first mission to Alaska. This first trip was only two months, but it was by boat first to Sitka, which is near modern-day Juneau, then a stay on Kodiak Island, southwest of modern-day Anchorage, then a time on Unalaska Island, part of the Aleutian chain. He learned more of the native dialects and taught the natives the faith. He returned to Victoria, but not for long. Six months later, in spring of 1874, he made a daring journey along the west coast of Vancouver Island, intending to spend more than just a few hours among the very dangerous tribes there. Many in Victoria tried to dissuade him from going, arguing that those tribes were too brutal and he could be killed. He went anyhow. Of course. There were souls to save. Exactly. And his trip was a roaring success. He baptized nearly 900 and taught the faith to many more. When he returned later that same year, he was edified to find that the faith he had planted had not only remained, but had thrived among those tribes. And he spent the next two years crisscrossing Vancouver Island, visiting village after village. He founded missionary outposts in many places, especially among the previously unevangelized natives. But all the while, his gaze was northward toward the vastness of Alaska. Right. In June of 1877, he set out again for Alaska, this time staying for 16 months. He set up his base at Nulato, an old Russian fortress town. From there, he made many excursions all over, going hundreds of miles, many of them on foot, right through the harsh Alaska winter and into the spring, summer, and fall of 1878. He traveled all over, reaching more than 30,000 natives during this time. In September of 1878, he returned to Victoria. But he returned to some very surprising developments. Yes, when he returned, he learned of the death of Pope Pius IX and the election of Pope Leo XIII. And just a short while later, like weeks later, he received notice that he had been made coadjutor bishop of the Archdiocese of Oregon City, set to succeed the first archbishop, the aging Francois Blanchet. This news was bittersweet. He still had so much he wished to accomplish in Vancouver Island, but he accepted his new post. But not before making a few last missionary visits. Right. First, he spent two months touring the west coast of Vancouver Island, visiting the missions he had established, and organizing for more of them to carry on the work he had done. Then, in May of 1879, he went back to Alaska to establish a mission post at Wrangell. Finally, he accepted his fate and reported to Oregon City on July 1st, 1879. But going to Oregon City, he didn't lose his missionary zeal. No, not in the slightest. The Archdiocese of Oregon City may not have been as large as Vancouver Island in Alaska, but it comprised all of present-day Oregon and parts of Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming. He reported of his first missionary trip around his archdiocese, My tour lasted 16 months. Altogether, I traveled about 5,000 miles. I confirmed 800 people. I traveled by steamboat, railway, coach, cart, sled, foot, and handcar. I spent many a night on the bare ground. I have visited sections of the country where a bishop has never set foot. I have been with savage Indians. I have traveled 45 miles without finding water. And here I am, as full of life as ever. The poor health of his youth and priesthood seemed to be gone. It sure was. 
Archbishop Blanchet resigned in December of 1880, and Bishop Sagers succeeded him as Archbishop Sagers. But his missionary work didn't stop until he had to report to Rome to prepare for the Third Plenary Council of Baltimore. While in Rome, he learned that Bishop Jean-Baptiste Brondel, who had succeeded him in Vancouver Island, had been made the first bishop of the new Diocese of Helena, Montana, and the priest tapped to take up Vancouver Island was unable to do so due to poor health. When the Holy Father, Pope Leo XIII, asked Archbishop Sagers whom he should send to Vancouver Island, I mean, it was, after all, part of his metropolitan province, Archbishop Sagers had the perfect guy in mind. Himself. Yes, indeed, himself. I'm sure he knew that they would have less difficulty finding a replacement for him in Oregon City than they were having in Vancouver Island, and he had never fallen out of love with that wilderness missionary sea. And he had unfinished business in Alaska. So he entreated the Holy Father to let him return to Vancouver Island. The Pope was touched by his humility and missionary zeal and agreed. Sager spent some additional time in Europe talking about the missions in America, recruiting priests to join them, and raising funds. Then he returned in 1884 in time to take part in the Third Plenary Council of Baltimore, the one that led to the writing of the Baltimore Catechism. He toured the East Coast a bit, giving talks about his work in the missions, doing more recruiting and fundraising, then made his way west to say goodbye to Oregon City and return to where his heart lay, the Diocese of Vancouver Island. But he retained the title of Archbishop. Yes, it was a personal title for him. Since he had been made Archbishop of Oregon City, he was permitted to retain that rank. And in a touching sign of esteem, Pope Leo XIII conferred upon him a pallium after he returned to Vancouver Island. Palliums are generally only conferred upon metropolitan archbishops. The pallium is a sign of being a shepherd to a large portion of the flock, like an ecclesiastical province. They are blessed and distributed directly by the Holy Father. So he had received one when he was metropolitan archbishop of Oregon City, and his successor there had received a pallium. So to receive a pallium as the bishop of a regular diocese was a big honor. Such was the esteem Pope Leo XIII had for Archbishop Sagers. But that honor aside, Sagers went right back to mission work. Of course. He traveled all over Vancouver Island, took another trip to establish more missions in the southern parts of Alaska, and started the work of building a new residence and pro-cathedral in Victoria. In 1886, a fifth trip to Alaska was planned and the team assembled. Joining Sagers were two Jesuit priests, Louis Aloysius Robau, and Pascal Tosi, a number of natives to help carry provisions, and a layman named Francis Fuller. Fuller had worked with the Jesuits on a number of other missions throughout the Northwest, in Montana and elsewhere, and he had actually been dismissed from all of those arrangements due to being mentally unstable. Many, including Father Tosi, protested against including Fuller on this trip, saying he was disturbed and could prove to make the trip far more difficult. Sagers wouldn't hear it, saying that Fuller seemed well enough when they conversed. Fuller accompanied them. They departed in July of 1886. They landed at Juneau and took two months to make their way overland to the headwaters of the Yukon River, then went down the river to where the Stewart River joined. During this time, Fuller grumbled and caused some tension, seeming to be paranoid about the Jesuits. Tosi insisted that Fuller be sent back. Sagers refused. At the junction with the Stewart, the group split up. There was missionary work available in that region, and the Jesuits could remain and do that. Archbishop Sagers would continue along the Yukon with Fuller and some of the natives to make it to Nulato. See, it had been rumored that some Anglican missionaries were aiming to get to Nulato and set up their evangelization shop, and Archbishop Sagers did not want them to get there first. He had long intended to return to Nulato and make it a major center of missionary activity. So off they went. But the going got rough. The weather and conditions deteriorated as winter set in. Also deteriorating was Francis Fuller's mental state. He began to get erratic and paranoid, accusing the natives and Sagers of being against him. 
Finally, on the morning of November 28th, within miles of New Lotto, Fuller, who had traveled with Archbishop Sagers for four months, shot him one time in the chest, killing him almost instantly. The news was a shock. Archbishop Sagers was mourned across the United States, Canada, and throughout Europe. Bishop Rondell in Montana said, We have lost the Apostle of Alaska, sent by Leo from Rome, to bring the Catholic faith to the utmost limits of the earth. Archbishop Sager's body was eventually brought back to Victoria, where it is interred in the Cathedral of St. Andrew. Ever since, the place where he died has been known as Bishop Mountain, and a white iron cross stands on the mountainside above the location of his death. The cross was a gift of Corda Aline Indians of Idaho. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please be sure to give us a rating and a review. To learn more about today's topic, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. <laughs>